especially want to share with you guys how good God really is. I mean, um, Elder was saying how, you know, how great God is, and does anybody know how good God is? Well, I'm going to ask the same question. Does anyone know how good God is? Amen. That's a pretty strong um, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I have a testimony for you guys today. I don't know if you remember, uh, maybe about a few weeks ago or a month ago or so, um, and Nate and I kind of testified along the same, you know, uh, I guess things that were happening in our lives and in our family's lives, and we didn't even know, you know, what we were going to talk about. I didn't know he was going to be testifying. All I knew that I had to, you know, come up here and invite you guys to give money, your offering, <laughs> and your tithes, amen, and, um, you know, come to see that we were going through a lot of the same, um, you know, circumstances and situations um, at home and financial, and, you know, um, my husband is, well, is the breadwinner, and for, you know, for about six years, God has blessed us. I mean, he's kept us, amen? We've always paid our rent. We always had food on our table, but it was hard. It was not easy, and, you know, so I would supplement some income by babysitting, and then, you know, I told you guys that that then that fell out of, you know, at one point, I couldn't babysit anymore, Um, and so we were left feeling kind of trapped and feeling stuck, and um, the pressure was on, you know? Because it's hard to tell your kids, not today, because mommy doesn't have money. Not today, we can't supply this because, you know, you just can't simply afford it. Amen? Um, but we're sincere and we're truthful with them. Because you know what? God, I mean, life can be hard. And they need to know that it can be hard. But if we work hard, er, right, we can make it good for ourselves. Amen? So we started praying. Lord, I need work now. Now I need to, I see myself, I have to go back into the workforce and help my family not just survive, but thrive. Amen? So we started praying. And I started talking to individuals. I spoke with Minister Mickey. You know, I need direction. I don't know which way to go. And she started giving me suggestions. Think about this. Think about that. Do this. Do that. I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me take a step back. What is it do I really want to do? Because I had an idea in my mind and in my heart, thinking that was the direction I was supposed to take. But that would have required going back to school, taking yet a different uh field and starting from scratch again and that was the issue I was having now that it was kind of like starting from scratch didn't have the next step where I was going so I said okay I started thinking man you know what I have really found a new love of working with children which used to be there but growing up you know I had nieces who lived with us and you kind of like you become that mommy role the second mommy role and kind of get tired and I'm like "Mm, I don't know if I'm gonna stay with that that's okay that's not for me but with the opportunity of babysitting um, children, I really began to just fall in love with, you know, impacting their lives. And they really impact yours. I mean, it's really a rewarding field. So I said, well, why don't I continue that path? Let me see if I can then continue working with children. Because for the last six years, at least I have some experience, although it's been at home. And um, so what happened? So I start praying, okay, Lord, you know, I think I want to stay in the school field. And I started talking to Tony, babe, I know that we've been throwing back and forth, you know, ideas, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I know now, this is what I'm going to do. It's not a field that's very overwhelming, unlike a business field, right? In a business field, there's a lot of pressures, there's a lot of stressing. I can't take all that. I have two kids I got to come home to, two kids I need to feed, two kids I need to get ready for for bed and homework and all these things, you know, that a mother and a wife have to do. Um, so I needed something that I was going to feel coming out of there like I did something, I impacted someone, and now I can go home and do the same in my home without feeling frustrated and overwhelmed, amen? 
So a supervisor of Tony, who was new to the facility, um, comes to know our family. Um, my sister extended an invitation to Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving. He came, he ate, broke bread with us, got to know us a little bit. And out of nowhere, he tells Tony, you know what? There's a position in a Head Start program that's, ran, that's managed or contracted by Beacon Watts. Um, so I to send me her resume. He put together a cover letter, a reference letter, not knowing me. He, didn't, he just met me. He only knows Tony's testimony, but praise God, Tony's testimony is always one of integrity and always doing, you know, what he needs to do at work. So it spoke for me as well, and praise God for that. So, okay, he sends it out. He tells her, I mean, he tells her, make sure that she communicates with them, calls them, lets them know that she's interested. Did all that. They call me in. This was in, I believe it was November, first interview. We talk. Everything looks like it looks great. All right, we'll call you back. Two weeks go by. Four weeks go by. I'm like, babe, I don't know what happened, but that's not coming through. I mean, now it's a month, and I haven't heard anything. January comes along. What's the cricket say? Come on, come on. Made me laugh. I can't do it. Well, we all know what a cricket sounds like, right? That's what I was hearing <laughs> all that time. But I said, Lord, you know what? No, that job is mine. If you have it for me, there's no one that can take it from me. Amen? So come February, or the end of January, I believe it was, into the beginning of February, they, I get called for a second interview. I said, praise God, I'm going in, second interview. I prepared, I got ready. And for me, it went great. Later on, I'm talking to my cousin, and she's like, so how did it go? What were the questions? How did you answer? And I'm telling her, you know what? I can't half remember what I said, but I know that I went in there. Tell the Lord, you give me the words. You, you know, bless me. You anoint me. You tell me what I have to say so that it sounds good. Amen. So, but praise God, they called me back that same day telling me that we want to give you the position. I said, praise God. Amen. But there's more. The position was for a part-time, four hours every day for five days. Okay. I need to get my feet wet. I need to, you know, I need the experience inside of a, pro, you know, of a school setting. Um, this, I'm going to go for it. Let's just do this. God will know where he'll cover, where he'll carry me. So now we're here. Um, matter of fact, yeah, that happened in January because then we're here at a night with the king with the women. And I'm talking to Brenda and I'm letting her know, you know, how it's happening, what's going on. And right there, you know, just randomly, we didn't pull aside. She didn't take me by the hand. She just randomly made a prayer. And she said, you know what? We're going to pray that God's going to move somebody. somebody. Somebody's going to be, you know, blessed into a higher position or moved out of there to go somewhere better because God's going to give you the full-time position instead. I said, you know what? I received that right now in Jesus' name, and that's what I'm calling forward every day from now on. I go back to give all my information, and she tells me, I just have one last question before you go. I said, sure, what is it? She said, I wanted to know if you're available for full-time. I said, absolutely. She said, okay, let me do what I have to do. Once you're in here, we can work things out. Okay, very good. I walked out of there laughing. I mean, laughing at God's greatness, at his goodness, at the way that he provides for his people. So if you don't know that God I'm talking about, that's the God I'm talking about. The one that provides, the one that takes care of us. We just need to know to depend and trust in him. He got us. No reason to worry. He got us. Amen? I give God honor and glory because he is good. He is good. Amen? 
So Monday is my first, uh, my first day, so pray for me. Amen. God is good. All the time, God is good. Amen. But now, God hasn't been so good to us for us to keep it to ourselves. Amen. He has called us with a purpose. And some of us walk around thinking, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? Well, it's very simple. Because although some of us will have different roles that we'll play in the kingdom of God, there is one role that, is put up, that was placed or demanded upon each and every one of us. And that uh, command is found in Mark 16, 15. One little sentence. But Jesus said like this. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So in the last month, we've been talking about how important the community is, I'm sorry, the church is to the community. But what good is the church and the importance of the church being within the community if we're not reaching out into the community and sharing and sharing the goodness of God? Amen. Um, at this time, I'm going to ask Julio if he can play a video that I want to share with you guys. Every time I'm pulling out, he's right there. Man. And someone needs to talk to his parents. If they're ever at home. What is up with the traffic today? And always, every day, this intersection's always crowded. I hate pulling out of here. I need some of these dumb roads. Oh, there's... (laughs) Okay, so I'm not even here. Right. Great lady. The princess of parking. Sure. Take the spot. Way to be considerate. Oh, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Oh. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, it's about time. Let's see, what do I want? Uh, yeah, can I add a cookie to that order? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, no problem, only guy in the world. I'm sure you need your cookie. The world? Your oyster, and he's serving more cookies. Thanks, Thank sir. you so much. Uh-huh. What can I get for you? Uh, yeah, I'll be called Decaf Macchiato. Yeah, sure, no problem. The 385. And uh, it might take a few minutes here. We've got quite a line, obviously, and thanks for your patience. Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. Great for me. Waiting again. Unbelievable. What? What What is that? What in the world? Oh, 
What am I supposed to do? How can I, how can I do anything about that? Can I even help with that? I don't. Your copy, sir. Oh. I can't. I can't take this anymore. I gotta get out of here. Hey, what? Lord and 
evaluate my life and say, God, am I walking the way am I suppo- that I'm supposed to be walking? Am I talking the way am I, that I'm supposed to be talking? Why did I just react like that? That's not how I should be reacting because, Christ, you live in me. And because you live in me, I should be different from, the, from those who don't know you, who don't know your love, who don't know your peace, who don't know your joy. Amen? Who don't know your strength. Hallelujah. Jesus. So as I prepared for today, and I was asking God, God, what am I bringing forth? The topic is evangelizing in these changing times. But what is it exactly that you want to hear, that your people will hear and know and maybe even see and reflect? Amen? And God began to show me how us as Christians, how we're walking our lives, how we are living our lives with Christ. We're living life like a fish out of water. And that's the title of my sermon today, A Fish Out of Water. Matthew 4, 19, um, Jesus saw Peter and his brother, and he called out to them, and he told them, then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So we can see in that verse alone how God was almost comparing us to fish when we are not with Christ, when we don't have Christ in our life, when we don't know you know, the glory, the hope of glory, we tend to act and be like a fish out of water. How do fish act when we take them out of their water or from their, you know, the system that they need to be in in order to survive? What's a, what's a reaction? Yes, frantic struggle. I love that. They can't breathe. They become erratic. And they become, you know, they're, they're fidgeting and flopping and, and it's like, I can't, breathe. I can't. And God was showing me how people, even in Christ, they're reacting towards their situations, their circumstances in that manner. Wow. So, wow, Lord. If we're living life, walking like fish out of water, then what do we have to give to those who are really walking like fish out of water? Because we have the hope of glory. He lives in our lives. He lives in our hearts. But it's up to us to declare that every promise given to him, given to us by him, stands true today. That he will be faithful to complete each and every one of them for our lives. Amen. I also saw people's reactions, right, to how they're feeling because of something that happened or someone that hurt them. And you ask them, how you doing today? How you doing? You know, person sitting. Like, this is a Christian to a Christian. How you doing? Eh. What's going on? Ah. Life. Life just sucks. And to use a word that my loving minister Julio uses, really? Really? Life sucks? There's a problem there. There's a serious problem there. Because that's not, that shouldn't be our reaction. My mom, sometimes, and she's a wonderful woman of God. She's a mighty woman of God. I am who I am today because of that wonderful woman of God. Thank God for her. But she has a saying. And I haven't known how to really tell her how to change it. 
until I, until God started giving me this. So I have to have a conversation with her. But um, I'll ask her, how you doing, Mom? Living? Okay. That's a good way to be, I tell her. <laughs> right? But it is a good way to be. Because if we're living, that means there's an opportunity to change someone's life for the better. There's an opportunity for God to come and change things around in the middle of the night for our lives, for our situation. So living is a good way to be. But should that be our response? No. Our response should be, I'm in victory. Everything behind me is falling down to the ground, but I'm in victory. It seems like the doors are all closing, but God is opening up the right one for me. Amen? Amen? I am blessed. I am highly favored. I was fearfully and wonderfully made, and that's what counts. And that's what I need to tell myself every single day. That's the reactions that we need to have as fish living in the living water. That is Jesus Christ. Amen? We have that flowing living water that's everlasting, that never quenched, I mean, that never finishes, never, it's never empty. That well is never empty. It should always be flowing, always be going, because God is our sustainer. Not us, but we forget that, or we want, we want to sustain ourselves, and then that's where the problem lies. It's in God, Jesus, that we have to uh, sustain ourselves. And maybe some of you are saying, but Minister Belinda, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the circumstance I have at home. You don't know what faces me every time I walk through that door. You're right. I may not know exactly what you're going through, but I know one thing, and it's the thing that carries me through all my pain, through all my wounds, through all my brokenness, amen, and it's that Jesus Christ will always prevail. His righteousness, his justice will always prevail for my life. doesn't matter what I see with my eyes. It's what matters is what I see with my spiritual eyes, that I look through the eyes of Jesus at my circumstance and say, <laughs> I laugh at you. You got nothing against my God. My God is the mighty God. He's the almighty. He's the wonder-working, powerful Jesus Christ, our Father. The one who gave it all so that we could have it all. Isn't that something? He gave it all. He let go of all his riches. He left his com- the comfort of his home. He left the side of his father. And for what? So that we could have it all. So that he could be glorified. But in his glory, we could have it all. We don't have a need. Or we shouldn't have any need when we have God. Again, in the visible, in the natural, it might seem like there's not enough. But in the spirit, man, we're overflowing. Always overflowing. Amen? Amen. Jesus. So why is God making us aware of these things today? Because he needs his people to be operating at a higher standard than those who do not know the Lord. How can we, being here on earth, become active in our calling if there's no difference in the way we, li- we live to those who do not know Christ? Hmm? What do they have to look forward to? If they're looking and watching you and seeing you, what do they have to look forward to? Are they going to receive what I'm trying to tell them? Because I'm repeating what I've heard, but I'm still not believing it for myself. 
And I've been there. I'm not saying anything that has not, that the Lord hasn't had to deal with me personally, with my husband personally. Amen, if I can share. There are times where I have to tell him, babe, you're not talking the talk. You're not walking the walk. You're, talking, you're telling people that we can trust God, that there's nothing impossible for God. But what you're telling me right now doesn't sound like you're believing your own words. We got to believe that God is the God of the impossible. Amen? That he can do all things. Not us, but he can. It doesn't matter what people think about us or what they think they can do to us. Mm-mm. I'm covered by the blood of Christ. Only God can allow what happens to me. Amen? And if he's allowing whatever it is, then I know he's got me in the palm of his hand, and I'm not going to be shaken. Amen? Amen. So his hand, oh, and it isn't God himself, because we have the wrong understanding sometimes too, especially people in the world. They think that God himself is going to show up and reveal himself to him. He can. He has. But it doesn't completely work that way. He gave us authority here on earth. He gave us the command to go out there and be his hands, his feet, to touch the lives of the people that still don't know him, that still don't have that hope that we have found in Christ Jesus. So where does that leave us? Well, I repeat that verse again, Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We were called to evangelize. Oh, Minister Belinda. That word is scary. That scares me, that word evangelize. I don't know if I can do that. I understand. I can't do what my husband does. I can't go out there and randomly speak to people. It's just not how I roll. <laughs> if I can say it like that. It's just not part of my personality to randomly speak to people. But that's not the only way we evangelize. What is evangelizing? Anybody? What's evangelize? Inviting? Okay. Amen. Anyone else? Sharing the testimony. Yes. Two of those things. I mean, those two things that they just shared, inviting and sharing your testimony. Is that scary? Is that as scary? As randomly going out into the streets and just speaking to somebody? No. It's not, right? That's what I want to speak to you about today. One-on-one evangelizing. And how we see different examples in the word of one-on-one evangelizing. Amen? Evangelizing. Look at the, the definition. When I looked it up, I was like, really? That's what it means? Convert or seek to convert someone to Christianity. And then there was another um online free dictionary um, definition that said to preach the gospel to. To preach the gospel to. That's it. Nothing fancy, nothing out of the, you know, out of the ordinary, no, nothing crazy. Yeah, we have changing times. And yes, for certain occasions and for certain people or groups, we might want to become a little more radical and in order to reach them, amen? But it can be as simple as just sharing your testimony, just letting someone know what God did for you. So let's look at some of um, these one-on-one evangelizing moments that I found. The first one was Acts 16, 25 through 31. It says like this. But at midnight, Paul and Silas 
were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. I want to read that first sentence again. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. How many out there are not seeing us, the believers, in the midst of them, and are looking to kill themselves? Because there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to talk. There's no one to talk to. There's no one to call out to. And they don't know God. They don't know Jesus. So who are they going to call? But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, for he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amazing. Amazing that all they were doing was singing a song. And through that song, God's power just came rushing through that prison. All doors were open. All chains were loose. You hear that? All doors were open. All chains were loose. And when we read through on, and when we keep reading forward, that man on that day was saved. And not only him, but him and his family, because then... They gave them permission to leave the prison, but I don't want to read the whole thing. They gave them permission to leave the prison, and they went into his home. And there they shared the love of God with his family. And there they all accepted Christ, were baptized, and became followers of Jesus Christ that day. Amen? But imagine if Paul and Silas would have went into prison, because the reason why they got in there wasn't even, I'm going to use this word, legit. (laughs) You know, they didn't have, it wasn't just exactly the reason why they were in the prison. Amen? And if they would have gone in there and started arguing with God and fighting with the Lord, like, we're doing your work, but here we are, stuck in this prison. How are we supposed to move forward now, God? That's our, sometimes that's us. That's how we respond to our situation. Instead of singing a song, praying to the Lord, worshiping God, getting in the midst of his presence so that our mindset and our view can change around and we can see beyond the circumstance right in front of us. Hallelujah. And it's possible to speak to someone like that one-on-one and have more people come. And I can give you a living testimony of that. For many years, we've been talking uh, when, you know, Tony and I were dating and then after that got married, you know, always... um, speaking into Nancy's life, speaking into her life, amen. And we knew God had a calling for her, and we knew God was calling her since she was young. She had, you know, accepted Christ many years back and had fallen. But we kept speaking into her life. And praise God that one day God said, this is it. You're mine, and I am yours. I am resting your heart today, and I'm not letting go. 
And until this day, she's here, and she was up here worshiping. Man, my mother-in-law, over to the right. Well, to, to your left. To your left, my right. Um, and she's been here faithfully. But because of that one person, check this out. She spoke with her neighbor, Angie and Mike. How many know Angie and Mike? Mike has worked on our closets down in the basement, right? Two more came because one on one evangelizing happened with Nancy. Didn't stop there. Check it out, people. <laughs> Angie and Mike invited their son. This is when we were back in the school. Their son came. God blessed. Blah, blah, blah. Got married. His girlfriend started visiting our church. So now we have Nancy, Angie, Mike, Jessica, Scott, and their two children. And the one coming along. Amen? Hallelujah. It didn't stop there, folks. <laughs> Through Jessica, Jessica, her mother, also found Cal- a home in Calvary. And that's our sister Vivian. So how's that? Not- how many of those now? Six? Because one person was evangelized too. It's not impossible. You plant the seed, it's eight. Eight people. Wow, look at that. And that's not including Nancy. But it was because of Nancy. And because of our evangelizing to Nancy and her moving that forward, sharing the love of Christ with someone else, and that kept moving forward. See how that can happen? It's a a ripple effect. But we have to take stand and become bold and courageous and speak to somebody. A lot of people have our ears. Are we seeking to find that opportunity? Here's another one. Um, John 3, the story of um, Nicodemus. Nicodemus said to him, this is to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I don't really want to concentrate today on what all that meant, what Christ was, you know, trying to tell him through his response to that question. But I want to focus on the fact that Nicodemus came to Jesus with a question. Now, imagine if Jesus would have said, you know what, right now I'm doing something and I'm, you know, talking to somebody else. Actually, it was in the middle of the night, so who knows if maybe even Jesus was sleeping and he woke him up. But he came to him and Jesus was ready to answer his question. Sometimes we get asked questions. Are we answering them? Or are we avoiding them because we don't know how to, to give them the reply? Or maybe we feel we're not standing on the right place to even give a response to their question. Think about that. We have to take every opportunity that God gives to us. I remember this was very, a very simple thing that occurred one time. And I took the opportunity at least to plant a seed. I haven't yet... At least with my eyes, I haven't seen the fruit, but I know in here, it's doing something. It's growing. And at the right time, God is going to do what he needs to do. But that person saw that my purse was on the floor and told me, um, you're not worried that you're going to lose money because your purse is on the floor? What? Let me tell you something. And I took that opportunity. I told her, I don't depend on the money that's in that purse. I depend on the money that's in that purse. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not paying for anything. I'm not eating anything. I'm not, you know, going to dress myself with whatever money is in that purse. I depend on my God. 
Jesus, who's the owner of silver and gold. And because he's rich, I'm rich. Because he's got everything that I need, I've got everything that I need. Amen? And even though that was a very simple, you know, thing that I told her or maybe a simple um, conversation, but I planted that seed of I trust Jesus, my God. He's my provider. That's who I depend on. And I know she walked away. As a matter of fact, she told me, man, you really got a good relationship. You must have a good relationship with God. When you're talking like that, I spoke confidently. She saw the confidence that I had in what I was saying. You're right. I do trust in God, and I do. It's because of the relationship that I have with him that I can speak that way. Because I am his child, and I have accepted that I am his child, and because of that, I have authority to speak that way. Amen? Take up your authority, people. Hallelujah. John 4. I love this story. The story about the Samaritan woman. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you only knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will will thirst again the water that's in the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So why do we walk around depleted, defeated, overconquered, overwhelmed, stressed, as if we had no hope? Or that water that gives us the everlasting springing up water that comes from Jesus Christ, our source. We have the answer. We have accepted the answer. We know the answer. It's Jesus. But yet sometimes we walk around like that answer does not exist. Hallelujah. Remember, God loves us until the day he comes back for us and even after. And because he loves us, And because he loves those that are still in need of his living water, he speaks to us. He addresses us. And he lets us know what he needs from us in order to reach the rest of the world. So please do not be offended and do not be hurt 
understand that it's God's love speaking to us today. Because there's an urgency, people. There's a sense of urgency. People are dying left and right without knowing Christ. And it should not be. Hallelujah. In this encounter, Jesus found something to relate to with the, women, with the woman in order to share with her God's love, his mercy, and ultimately his salvation. He took the idea of needing water to survive naturally in order to explain to her in a way she could understand that spiritually we are all dead. If we do not allow the living water, which is Jesus Christ, to come in and take a seat, in the throne of our hearts, we are like fish out of water. So make connections. We need to make connections with people. Find things that you and they, are, uh, they can relate to. You and they can relate to. And then use those things to share with them the love of God. Or sometimes people will make an observation about you. And they, they share that observation with you. And that's your opening. Sometimes they'll come up to you and they'll, man. Why are you always walking around with a smile? Why is it that you always look like you got a pep in your step? You know, but yet they kind of know that you're struggling financially. Or sometimes they know that, you know, things at home aren't that great. But you're walking around like the world is your oyster. Hallelujah. I had someone bump into me. This was back when I had graduated high school. A friend of mine. And, you know, we had not seen each other for a very long time. And he sees me. He tells me, you still have that twinkle in your eye. Like, what is that? I smiled. I said, that's not me. That's Jesus in me. That's the twinkle in my eye. I still carry forward that love that God has given me, and I still keep it here in my heart. No matter what happens, no matter what I go through, that twinkle can still, be, uh, can still shine because of him. Very small, nothing grander. I didn't speak all eloquent. But I know I planted a seed that day to the point that on Facebook, I've seen him quote certain things about God and how God said provide for him and, you know, is good to him. How much he knows of God, really, I don't know. But there was a seed that was planted there that day. We have to look for those opportunities. We know that God, this is what I love about God, we know that he doesn't do anything by chance. Anything he does is not by chance. It's always a setup. He's funny like that. (laughs) And in these stories, we could find that common thread. Jesus allowed these encounters to occur because it was a matter of salvation. And unless he allowed for the opportunity of one-on-one evangelizing, these people may not have had experienced his love, experienced his mercy, or experienced his forgiveness. So he set up the situation just so that he could then show his love. Hallelujah. So we can definitely expect that God is going to set up opportunities for us to share his love. Someone say this with me. God is going to set me up. God is going to set me up. Don't be scared. God is going to set you, I mean, set you up. What are you going to do with the opportunity he gives you? Amen? Another thing is, another thing that we can see through the stories is that the different methods were used. We can use different methods to reach out to people, to share what God has done with us. 
Don't get stuck on the, the traditional idea like I was talking about before. We hear evangelizing, we think it's that we've got to go out there, you know, preach from the rooftops or, you know, with a bullhorn in our hand, you know. No, there's different methods that we can use. You could play songs at your job if you're allowed. I know some places restricted, but if you can, start playing songs in your, um, in your, in your job setting. Play the songs in your car when you have friends or family or associates that don't know God in your car and they're traveling with you. Play those songs. Let them hear the words that come forth from those songs because those are songs inspired by God's word and by the experiences that people have had because of God's love. And I assure you that a plant, is, I mean, a seed is going to be planted in their hearts. Just like that time with Paul and Silas. It was just through a song. And the power of God came raining down so hard that that person had to give his life. That soldier had to give that, his life to the Lord. <coughs> Jesus, hallelujah. Another thing that, that, um, that happened in those stories was that, especially with Jesus, he found a connection. Like I mentioned before, he found a connection, and it was his way into having a conversation with them about salvation. So expect to find a connection and use it as your way into sharing God's love with all individuals. Amen? Now, maybe some of us are thinking, well, all right, I hear what you're saying, but am I qualified? Do I even qualify to speak to anybody, to speak to a friend, to speak to uh, an associate of mine, a coworker of mine? What qualifies us? When I, you've been saved, you got a testimony. You're right. You've been saved. Listen, you, have, you had a mess, and you probably still got a mess. And I've been saying that the last few days. You know what? Yeah, we have messes. People are saying, I'm not ready because I am still in my mess, so I have this that I got to work out, that I got to work out. You know what? Put it in God's hands, and you keep moving forward. You continue to do the, job, the work that God has put in your hands to do. You keep sharing his love because it's by grace for all of us. It's by grace that we stand even before God in this place today. Amen? So we don't have to be anything special. We don't have to be, you know, um, the perfect Christian. It will never happen. That will never happen. We strive to be like Christ in the way that we speak, in the way that we love, in the way that we deal with people. That's how we can be like Christ. Hallelujah. So are you qualified? Absolutely. Because the only thing that you need to be is willing and available. That's your qualification. Ask yourself today, have I been willing and have I been available? And I'm going to conclude with this thought. Like the businessman or the entrepreneur that live their lives looking for, uh, or even being diligent looking for the opportunity to make money, they look for it every day. And they don't miss it. If there's an opportunity, they're going to run for it, and they're going to get it. We, too, should be as diligent to constantly look for the opportunity Jesus is presenting us with to share his love. We should be looking for the opportunity that we can share his love, not allowing a single one to slip our grasp. 
We can't do it any longer, people. We can't let them slip from our grasp. We're about to <coughs> transfer into our own home. And the people of Israel, before they entered into their promised land, were walking around 40 years in the desert, nowhere to go, nowhere to call home, nowhere to say, this belongs to me. I own this. And individually, we heard how sometimes God still has to, you know, put us through the desert because um, we need to mature and grow and we need to learn our lessons. And, you know, we ha- that was a preaching a few weeks ago. But as a church, we have been through that desert. We have been through, traveling it through it for many years now. But as a church, we're about to walk into our promised land. And what does that mean? Amen. Praise the Lord. What does that mean that we're walking into our promised land? What did it mean for the Israelites? It meant that they had to take over, that they had to go and conquer what belonged to them. Amen. We're about to enter our promised land, which means, people, it is time to stand up, to rise up, and start conquering what belongs to the kingdom of God. Amen. We cannot be sitting down, warming a pew for much longer. God is calling us to a higher standard. Amen. God is calling us to a higher calling. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Has it always existed? Yes, but now he's demanding that you would answer it. Doesn't matter if you feel like you're ready. God is telling you, you're ready. Have I not saved you? Have I not delivered you? Have I not taken you from the ground where you felt like you were in the pit of hell? Have I not pulled you out from there and put you into higher places? Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes, he has. That's what qualifies you. That you can tell somebody, God loved me so much that I was addicted to drugs, I was addicted to alcohol, and now I don't crave not one drop, not one blunt, whatever you were doing, because God, because of God. I know some of you may not yet know my, my husband's testimony, but it baffles me. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, because I know God's mighty power, amen? I know his power. But it, it, it astounds me how he went in, decided to say, Jesus, I'm going to accept you. I'm going to receive you into my life. A man who was addicted to drugs, a man that was using different things that were out there, a man who was covered in piercings. Nothing, not that there's anything wrong with that, but for him, at the time, it didn't represent who he wanted to become. Amen? And he walked that one day out of there. The next day he woke up, looked at himself in the mirror, and this is what we need to do. He recognized the new creature God made him to be that night before. And you know what he did? He started pulling things off, removing all that stuff that he didn't need. See, because those things were his way of dealing with life. Amen? He didn't need to deal with life like that anymore. He didn't need to deal with life with drugs or alcohol. And one day, he let go of all that. Now, son, baby, you didn't withdraw? Absolutely not. That's God's power. That's God's grace. That's the God I serve. Is that the God you serve?